From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a twice-weekly podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts and so far beyond, brought to you absolutely free by a couple of fine sponsors that we're going to talk about here in just a second. First of all, the particulars, my name is Richard Hunter. And I'm Frank Mayer. One of us is the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, currently competing as a contending heavyweight in the Bellator organization, and the other one of us can be seen. Time world uh, Reno funniest man of the year funniest comedian in Reno that's right as uh, named by the Reno News and Review Naga and silver medalist that's true too and uh, can also be seen performing regularly at the uh, LA Comedy Club inside the Stratosphere Hotel and Casino so up to you to figure out which is which we've got a spectacular UFC 225 to recap we got some other headlines we're going to talk about first of all Frank let's uh, tell everybody about the folks that enable us to bring you this podcast absolutely free first of all a big thank you to lowtnation.com lowtnation.com is the uh, internet destination where more and more phone booth fighting listeners week after week after week are flocking if you're male if you're uh, getting a little bit older maybe you're in your late 30s maybe you're getting up into your 40s maybe you've lost a little pep in your step maybe you're slowing down just a little bit uh, putting on a little bit of weight maybe a little less muscle definition if any or all of the uh, of the uh, signs that I'm talking about tend to point to the person you're seeing in the mirror then you need to go to lowtnation.com call the telephone number for a free consultation it's very quick it's very easy it's absolutely free uh, if you are a candidate for the treatment they are going to put you in touch with a local lab in your area no matter where you live throughout these united states and what happens from there frank well at that point you get poked with a really big needle <laughs> no that's not it's, it's a little needle it's a little op- no it's the opposite of that yeah. nobody's poking anybody okay so you go ahead and get your blood work done there's a blood draw and there is a little bit of needles involved <laughs> oh you mean at the lab yeah, i thought you meant that low T nation just shows up at your house and Can you imagine just jabbing? They don't do that. It's like Professor Duck, you know. Right. <laughs> so you you make your one time. Yeah, you go visit down there, the you lab. make the visit, they go ahead and they pull the blood, have your labs right. done, which you should be doing on a regular basis True. at least once a year, anyways. Uh, they're gonna evaluate your hormone level and and different areas too. They're very good about that. Not just I mean, not just the hormones, but different B vitamins, different things in your system. They're gonna know where you're at and see what's required to bring you up to speed to make sure that all your efforts and 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 your, for your workouts, for your energy levels, for your mental focus, all these things are paramount to having a, a, a right balance. And so the, right there at Low T Nation, they know how to take care of that, bring you up to uh, your outmost where you should be. And then once it's uh, prescribed what you need, the best part about the whole thing is it's sent directly to your house. You don't have to leave. You don't have to go see your doctor once a month or once a week and go get any kind of injections or scripts filled. Once you're in, you're in. And at that point, I think they evaluate you about once a year again just to mm-hmm. make sure that everything's on board, that they're having the prescription are done properly. The results speak for themselves, and uh, we have heard from uh, one listener on top of another on top of the next, uh, heralding the results that they have gotten from LowTNation.com. You can be next. Go to LowTNation.com, call that phone number, get that free telephone consultation, and go from there, and be sure to tell them that Frank Mir and Richard Hunter over at Phone Booth Fighting sent you. This podcast also, Frank, brought to you by Ellefson Coffee. Our buddy Dave Ellefson, the bass player in Megadeth, has his own coffee label it is elephsoncoffeeco.com that's the website if you're a fan of coffee 
like uh, we are, and if you're a fan of uh, hard rock, certainly like I am, then uh, Ellefson Coffee Company is a match made in heaven for you. Uh, ElephsonCoffeeCo.com. Go online there, see all of the signature roasts they have, many of which are musically affiliated. Uh, a couple of bands like uh, Queensryche, they've got their own roast over there. Skid Row, they've got their own roast, and so forth and so on. Dave is a real aficionado of roasting coffee, and um, this was a passion of his for a long time. Uh, he is a world traveler. He's had the best coffee all over the world, and he brought uh, all of that expertise into his uh, coffee label. If you go to ellefsoncoffeeco.com, that's E-L-L-E-F-S-O-N, coffeeco.com, and enter the promo code PHONEBOOTH, you're going to save 10% off your entire order. Now, that's on the coffee. That's on the thermoses. That's on the coffee mugs. Even the, the beans. Uh, yeah, the, the chocolate-covered uh, coffee beans. They call them the Wait, Atomic the Rocks. That uh, Frank is a big fan of. It's all fan. I'm a crackhead. I know you. You, you exhausted our supply. Now we got to get. Did some you more. see the one time before the flight where he's like, "Okay, I'm only going to give you this much," and just like he had to ration them out to me. Yeah, well, you were on. Yeah, I was eyeballing his backpack and shit. And That's like, right. right. We're okay. having. To- I know they're in one of those fucking pockets right there. <laughs> we're having to watch your weight. It was uh, leading up to the weigh-ins. Well, uh, what you can do is go to ellefsoncoffeeco.com. Use that promo code Phone Booth. Save ten percent at the checkout. Support our show, Phone Booth Fighting, and also. Uh, a great guy and uh, a personal friend of ours, Dave Ellison of Megadeth. ElifsonCoffeeCo.com, promo code PHONEBOOTH at checkout. All right, Frank, so uh, we're going to talk about UFC 225. Now, as we speak, this is interesting. L- literally, as we are taping this, Donald Trump is meeting with Kim Jong-un in Singapore for their summit and uh, really, what you know what we're doing here is it's kind of like we're doing a North Korean summit fight companion. I mean, this is happening as we Do you know, speak. you actually made me not train jiu-jitsu tonight because of this. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? This is actually kind of, I mean, not to be, you know, hyper-paranoid. I'm a uh-huh. paranoid individual. Mm-hmm. But when you made the joke about, like, you know, hey, the end of the world, shit could go down, I'm like... Yeah, actually, you know what? This meeting could, you know, ruffle some feathers. People uh-huh. can get kind of crazy. I'm like, let me make sure that, you know, uh, uh, I'm not too far away from my, uh, sure. my more the loved ones. efficient firearms to help oh, protect oh the loved yes. ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mikey. Hey. By, by the way, Mikey's back in the uh, producer's position. Uh, I had told Frank earlier, I said, you know, the summit is going to be going down the exact same time we're taping. So I just wanted to make sure that he was okay with potentially spending his last moments with me as opposed to his family. So here's the video of it, by the way. There they are meeting in Singapore. It's morning over there. And they're, uh, Donald Trump is saying something to Kim Jong un. He's just sort of smiling. I, I, they don't have the translator right there. Oh, it's ooh, it's like a face-off. It's like weigh-ins. Yeah, look. Yeah. Okay, double bicep pose. Yeah. <laughs> Most muscular. <laughs> yeah. No? Nothing. And off they go. They're going to sit down and have Do it again real quick. Can I see now. the beginning of it? Because I was, I was... Yeah. Yeah, Mike, cue it up again there, Mike. I'm always curious. But, you, know, you know, I'm obsessed with nonverbal communications and oh, yeah. language and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah I did. Okay. Yeah, let's get another look at this. You can give it your since it is like a fight companion. You can give it your breakdown. All right, blow it up there, big. Ah, Trump on the handshakes action. Okay, so here they come. There we go. What are you seeing here, Frank? He went hand on arm. 
Yeah, well, actually, Trump's actually in a shitty position. Yeah. You want to be on the left to the viewers when you go to shake someone's hand. Oh, pause it. Right okay. now, Trump is actually in a shit position. Oh, he is? Yeah, because if they go ahead and hold, like if King Jong-il wanted to be a cock, yeah. he easily could have taken the opportunity right now to fuck him. And I think Trump's smart enough is obviously he's a high-powerful you know, businessman. Uh-huh. He grabbed his elbow to make sure they didn't rotate on each other. Oh, that's what I thought it was. He was going for an arm drag. But that keeps me from rotating. Watch. Like, oh. well, here, here, we'll do this real fast. Okay. Take out the headphone. Okay. For the fans at home, yeah. they can watch. This is what you do for shaking hands. So, All right. No, I'm in. Uh, okay, so I'm coming from Trump's side. Right. So, like, right yeah. now, if we're shaking hands, the audience is over here. Yeah. I'm in position of authority right now. Okay. Are you can, can you hear this, Mikey? Yeah. I'm in the position of authority because I'm on. If the fans are looking over at us, yep. I'm on the right, their left-hand side. So we go to shake hands. If all of a sudden I turn towards the fans real quick, turn yep. towards the camera. Look how oh, dumb yeah. you look. I'm big brother right now. I got my oh, hand on yeah. your back. Yeah. I'm like, this is my kid. I'm yeah. the fucking man here. Yeah. There's not a lot you could do about that because right. we're connected here. Yeah. And if all of a sudden we go ahead and fan towards the, the, the audience, yeah. how do you not look dumb? Well, right. We can switch roles. Right. It's not a size thing. It's nothing else. Right. We go to shake hands. Like I would, if I knew the audience was here, yeah. I don't shake hands with people. Oh, okay. Because I know that if we go to shake hands, yeah. you turn towards the audience. Look right. at me now. Right. I'm your little brother. Here yeah. I go. You know what I mean? no, like, there's right. not a lot I can do. Yeah. So to prevent that, if I'm screwed and mm. I know that I'm shaking someone's hand, and the people over here that I want to impress or keep any kind of a resemblance of authority, we go to shake hands. I do the elbow catch because now try to turn me. You go to go ahead and reach over. Now oh, it's I like, guess. no, I'm not gonna let yeah. you drag me over yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Mm. No, that's good. That's good. That makes sense. So, and actually, uh, they, they, where are they? Uh, they're in Singapore. Yeah, I think that obviously Kim Jong Il got to pick on what side he came off. Well, do you think this is because Donald Trump is so right wing he would never enter from the left <laughs> of the stage? He should have entered on that side. Yeah. Because like right now, if Kim Jong Il faced the crowd. Yeah. And just kept that grip. Mm-hmm. And how do you break a grip without looking like a complete dick? Yeah. I mean, like as strong and as skilled as I am, if mm-hmm. you want to hold my hand, mm-hmm. unless I do some kind yeah. of fucking, <laughs> I ain't getting right. out of it, you know, right. without you know looking silly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, what 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 I was anticipating was maybe you know the arm drag and then trying to take no, the back. Because right here, all you do is yeah. you go for my neck now. You reach yeah. up, put your hand on my shoulder. Oh right. And now I'm your little brother. Oh yeah, yeah. How is yeah. this? I mean, look, Mike. Yeah. I, yeah. I cannot look masculine right now. Yeah. The only way I found around this is sometimes if I go here and I miss mm-hmm. your elbow, now you go to hug me, mm-hmm. I pull the wrist and then I'll oh, come and do one of these. Right. But this looks kind of weird at, with a suit on. Yeah. So this can work okay in street clothes. Yeah. But if we have suits on, if I go ahead and, you know, control, bend the wrist yeah. so I can break the hand. Right. It's the only way I know how to do it. Now you reached up. So just like in fighting, you reached. So now I have the underhook so I can grab the waist. Yeah. And now I can pull you in and regain the masculine look. Now you look kind of funny with your shoulder up. Yeah. My suit's going to be all bunched yeah, but, up. But we both look right? stupid. Now. Yeah. 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 Uh, to be in reality. There were, there were no winners. A, nah. No. So yeah. at that point, it's like, all right, kamikaze, we're just both going to go out. Yeah. Wow. All right. I think um, that alone was more preparation than has been put into the summit, from what I understand. From what I understand. Now, maybe... maybe oh, but I mean, uh, he has to have guys. I mean, one of the people that I have a book off, I'll show Well, I think it's also on my uh, my Kindle. Mm-hmm. Uh, FBI agent, you know, a Cuban guy. And mm-hmm. that's who I learned a lot of this stuff off of, just looking at it and, and the whole just, you know, uh, 50% of what you say mm-hmm. is actually body language. Like when I'm talking to somebody, you're actually reading people's 
body, their emotions, their physical demeanor. Then it's actually kind of like the tone of their voice. And and then like about, I think I I might be messing up the exact details. It was like 12% is actually the context of what you're actually saying. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it is, you know, tone and, 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 Excuse me, uh, and a lot, you know, volume of voice, you know, mm-hmm. even so more than you know, I mean, of what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know. And some guys, I mean, like um, the first guy I ever noticed who was a master at that was John F. Kennedy. You know, mm-hmm. live, not live, but some video that I got to see and the mm-hmm. way he spoke. You know, they always talk about the shortening the words going out there. You know, Abraham Lincoln made that famous for how he spoke, short, concise, mm-hmm. verbal communication with his body, mannerisms towards the crowd. Mm. Yeah, it's um, you know this. Uh, uh, the, the, yeah, the Trump's left hand is down. He could have completely got had right there. Hmm. Can't really make out what they're saying. Maybe that just shows the kind of control he has over. I mean, Kim Jong Il was what thirty-two years old. Uh, yeah, thirty-four. Thirty-four. Yeah. yeah, he didn't try to turn at all. Yeah. And then see the touch on the back of the shoulder, the point in the direction, like right there. That's yeah. a big brother move. Yeah, Just even right there. I see, yeah, I yeah. led you. I touched your elbow. I touched your back. I pointed. Mm-hmm. You know, those are different ways of uh, of starting to commandeer who's the boss in this room mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the first, like I said, just the fact that they're walking out that way, he really was open. <laughs> yeah. He won the exchange. Mm. But man, that was a tactical error as far as whoever his press people were preparation they they put him behind the eight ball he got himself out of it being as slick as he is but yeah you know what i miss here is uh joe rogan not interviewing both of them briefly to find out what we can expect they should have went shoulder in a forehead to forehead yeah that's right that's right well the um the plan is for them to meet face to face for 45 minutes as i understand it's uh happening right now and then at approximately i think it's 1 a.m Vegas time, Trump is expected to speak to the press about whatever was discussed. Now, in the room is only Trump, Kim Jong-un, and a translator for each one of them. No aides, nobody keeping a record, which is a little nerve-wracking because you can see a situation where somebody could come out and we have two recollections of something that were said that, that differ. I think that's exactly why they did it, though. Could be, exactly. It's 100% now, why they did it. The, now they can have a conversation. Both guys are going to come out that they won the right, conversation. Right, right, Kim Jong-il will tell his individuals back home that he schooled the old fat guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and Trump's going to come out being like, hey, I... I went had showed little baby boy Kim what little was up, you know man. what I mean? You know, yeah, little What's rocket that, man. I said, and I said, he, he, Trump can say he schooled the young fat guy. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Trump's leaner than him. I'm fat. I should have just reserved that completely for yeah, little budgie well, boy. Well, now the 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 typically what will happen? I would say typically because this is atypical. I mean, it's kind of unprecedented. But in terms of like, especially any adversarial leaders meeting, is whatever they're going to agree to has already been worked out. Yeah. And there's reporting that that has happened in this case too. That by Mike Pompeo going over a couple of times and working through some things, that whatever they're going to announce, and they'll announce something that that has already been agreed to. So that this is more of just like a face to face photo op. But the thing is, I think what is is going this is like king and queen stuff you know what i mean it's, it's yeah. not the real but what this is completely for show right. for us at home this is the crown this and is, them this and is a royal and the, wedding yeah you know and the I mean? north like, koreans as well but now i think what you can really measure though is whether or not if they are going to announce anything 
whether or not that is going to include any kind of inspectors. Because it's like the the problem is North Korea has burned us before, you know, promising yeah. to do things and not doing them. And then the other thing is North Korea, one of the things they're going to go for is trying to get us to pull troops out of the region, out of South Korea, out of Japan. And Well, I know we're having some issues with oh, China, too, because over the one island as far as— Well, and, and also this is a great the, opportunity. That island that we've been arguing about, where, not us, but I think that— Japan and South Korea and yes and this is a great opportunity for China because this puts them in kind of more of a, a brokering role you know yeah. of because because they're the ones who have been the conduit to uh, North Korea at times so this this is helping to sort of elevate their status the, here's the risk the risk reward the risk is that you're giving this dictator like level status like just the fact that we're putting yeah. the american flag next to their flag and that's that what they're they appearing want. together right that's a big win for them now the 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 that's the risk the reward is that we're able to get some sort of agreement with them and you know i i'm i'm no trump fan but it it's to me it's always better to talk than it is to fight so in theory i'm not i'm i'm not saying i'm not on board with this idea but it's what's going to, to really matter in the end is what they're able to get out of it in terms of not only promises from the North Koreans, but backing that promise up, you know, in inspections, things well, like that. And I think we actually do get those inspections because honestly, I think if when this was all, you know, when North Korea shot that missile over Japan, mm-hmm. I got nervous. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know what? In my lifetime, there actually might be a. You know, uh-huh. some ICBMs being thrown yeah. around. Like, holy shit, this actually might happen. Like, you know, if you'd have asked me that five years ago, I'm like, that's nah, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it's 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 a Mexican standoff. Mm-hmm. There's going to be no winners. But so I, I kind of, and I, I knew how powerful the U.S. military was. Mm-hmm. I've always understood that. But then I started looking up facts. In fact, maybe the next time we come out, I, I'll pull up some of the websites I went through and I can show you. We can post them up there. But there was numbers there that showed you like that basically like our Coast Guard, their Air Force, the planes on the Coast Guard would be the 13th largest Air Force in the world. Like it was like astronomically like... There is no chance in hell that North Korea would even last 30 minutes against us in a fight. Yeah. Even China can't last against us. You know what I mean? Like, everybody, oh, China has so many people. I'm like, yeah, but we outnumber them as far as heavy machinery, 10 to 1. They were talking about, like, you know, there's like 30 of these naval carriers, super, you know, uh, that launch all the things. You know, I forgot the name of it now. I'm, I'm totally slaughtering it. But it's like, we have 18 of them. And, like, you know, there's like eight. For oh, you're talking like aircraft carriers. Yeah, aircraft carriers. So like, the rest of the world shares eight of them, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, well, and that's why the concern about retaliation wasn't necessarily, if, if something happened with North Korea, wasn't necessarily against the United States. It was against South Korea. Yeah, and I think that's almost kind of more of a threat, though, as far as it's like, okay, South Korea, you're going to go, or North Korea. The people in charge, are you really going to sit there and go, well, you know what? Fuck America. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and screw you guys over. We're going to fight back. We're going to show you. And if you fuck with us, we're taking out South Korea. It's like, okay, but you're still going to die. <laughs> That's one of those things. Like yeah. if you walk into a room, there's very few people. I mean, you know, there's obviously those those, those very crazy ideologies, those kamikaze types, and some uh, very extreme versions of the Muslim mm-hmm. thought, Islam, that has those individuals. But they're always the stupid eighteen-year-olds. You don't mm-hmm. get forty-five-year-old kamikaze guys. Yeah. You don't see a lot of forty-year-old suicide bombers because. They're not young, dumb, stupid guys that are easy to manipulate, get them high, or make promises, right? Yeah. 
So these individuals making these decisions and thoughts, they're full-grown men. And if you walk in the room, it's like, oh, okay, you could do this, but you're going to die. It's like, oh, well, well, shit, I don't really like that idea. It's like, well, I'll destroy this, this, and this. I'm like, that's fine. I'm still going to live. You can kill all my friends, but you're going to die. I think that that's why that once I started looking at that, I'm like, all right. They they can't win, and the idea that yes we could take out you know uh, you know South Korea which is an ally possibly Japan even as far you know going up all we maybe get to Hawaii you know okay maybe um, it's like yeah but you're still gonna die none of your people are gonna exist it'll be a big fucking hole in the ground I, I, that makes me think it's like any kind of uh, face that they save I think that we just kind of almost like. I think we're that big brother that allows the little brother to sit there and go, ah, I, I won that exchange, right? We're even. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, we're even, everybody. It's close. Laughing under our breath mm-hmm. going, it ain't even even. Oh, wait, we didn't allow those inspectors in there. It's like, yes, you did. We just go ahead and tell everybody you kicked them out. Mm-hmm. But we got to see what we wanted to see because if you don't, mm-hmm. you're going to die. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that they have been – little brothered up to this point because they're not given a seat at the adults table the 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 risk of this is that it's kind of like you you are big brother in him and at the same time you're saying to him okay little brother now you're a man you know like now yeah. you're here at the the grown-ups table but i think that's all they really want oh i agree that's i think that want. is exactly what and they then want. now yeah. it's like okay now you can sit there you know you have your little regime the people in power you know mm-hmm. obviously people don't want change mm-hmm. they're you know the people that have it good in north korea they have it good mm-hmm. obviously the people that have it bad we've seen from the individuals that escaped mm-hmm. how fucking bad it is it's horrible, and I would like to, you know, I mean, shit, man. Uh, at the end of the day, all human beings are human beings, regardless of the color of your skin, creed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like to think of people suffering in that way. Mm-hmm. I would like if we could do something about it. I mean, one thing for sure that I know has to be addressed is North Korea is some kidnapping motherfuckers. Yeah, and that's Japan's big concern. Yeah, I, that's I what agree Japan with that. wants addressed. And see, that, if you kidnapped one of my okay. citizens and I was in charge, I'm yeah. sorry, but. I ha- it's one of those things where it's almost kind of like we're all at the park having a barbecue. I don't want to get into a fight with somebody because guess what? The barbecue is going to come to an end. Police mm-hmm. are going to show up. Possibly someone's going to jail. Uh, it's going to ruin the day from what I want to do. I want to hang out with my kids, hang out with the wife. I want to eat food. We're going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. But if you come up and you spit on my wife or my child, I have to break your fucking arms. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, guess what? I didn't want to do this. But if I don't hurt you badly, the next guy might think that he's okay to do it too, and then it's going to escalate. You have to nip shit in the bud. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, you know what? Uh, This sucks, but it's a very logical response. And so if someone were to take, you know, that's one part about Japan. It's like, hey, if if you really think that they took your citizens, there's only one recourse. I mean, hey, talk. If, if that's stalled out even more than a week, it's like, look, you can't keep one of my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking days. We're not talking weeks, months, years. Hours. I'm going to be counting hours. And if hours right. go by and you're not giving them back to me, shit's going to hit the fan. Well, and that's another important aspect of this is that Japan is an ally. So we need to appear... Uh, uh, concerned about their plight at the same time. guess what? I think that's South Korea, or North Korea, excuse me. They have to give that shit up. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. certain things, hey, they want to abuse the fuck out of their citizens. Mm -hmm. Again, it's horrible. Mm There's still, that's still other people's, that's still women, children, and men, you know, Mm -hmm. fucking all equal rights, right? Uh, 
sucks. But you know, the whole crossing lines and taking another group of people, I, I you know, there's just there's certain things where you just draw a, a line in the sand. Yeah. And I'm a very flexible. I think the world is 99% gray. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked many times. I can see things from different angles and be like, well, yeah, in this situation, maybe not. But that's one of those like it's like, hey, someone touched your child. Yeah, you got to kill them. You know what I mean? Or yeah. They're gonna have to suffer very badly. It's like, well, you might go to jail for a couple of years. Well, you know what? Shit has to go. You know. Well, and we'll see if anything, like I said, you know, the, the, the visits from Mike Pompeo leading up to the Secretary of State, they would have worked out anything they're going to announce tonight, they would have worked out then. And hopefully it will be something substantial. You You're know? nervous because Trump really does have the authority to override all that shit. Yes. And here's the other thing, too. If all the, you know, I don't really need to prepare for this, I, you know, Trump said today, I'll know in the first minute how this is going to go. And he said, you know, how, how are you going to know that? And he said, well, my touch, my feel, that's what I do. Yeah, but now, you've got to differentiate if all that's what Trump bluster, says to the masses. Yeah. Trump is a genius when it comes to speaking to the masses. You have to give him that. He knows how to manipulate America, the masses, the U.S., the majority of people. If he didn't, he wouldn't be our president right now. He wasn't backed by the Republican Party. Yeah. No one, I mean, come on, the guy fucking won everything with yeah. nobody helping the guy out. You know well, I, mean? I, I agree with you that he does know how to to, to market right. the, he knows how to, to, he knows how to market the concept of bravado over no. preparation. I mean, but, he but, says things that, again, he's saying those things mm-hmm. to the masses. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's as much truth to it that, you know, I mean, that you get nervous about. You're like, well, I mm-hmm. think he's really doing it. like, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think, I, you know, I, and I, I worry that there is. So it's like, even if, even if it is, even if, if I'm right, mm-hmm. then as long as nothing bad comes of it, like, let's just get through this unscathed. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you're the guy, if, if you're, if, if I'm married to you and you're the guy who's known to say inappropriate things, if we can just get through the dinner party and I can be on the ride home going, you know what? He, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> he, he, he showed up with me, but nothing bad got said. I mean, I actually, on okay. a side note, I mean, and, and maybe I'm just out of the loop because I travel so much. His Twitter hasn't been too crazy lately, has it? Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Has it? It's been pretty maybe crazy. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe it's like what they say, like the frog in the water. Yeah. I'm just, oh, yeah. it's not that bad. I, I worry about things like um, uh Thinking that you're you're one upping the Canadian Prime Minister by pointing oh, out the fact right. that his people burned down the White House yeah, in the War of eighteen twelve. I forgot about you know, that. That's, that's just didn't that happen like two days ago? Yeah, it's a couple of days ago. Yeah. The same people that helped support us during nine eleven. Didn't they, they didn't, yeah. wasn't it Canada that made the, the one of the deciding like motions to go, hey, we need to make sure this is an act of war? I don't, I don't know about that. Like yeah. at the UN or something? Yeah, at the Maybe. UN. I think Canada yeah. was one of our yeah. strongest voices. In fact, when it happened, um, another thing I saw that was being uh, explained, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw it from different sources, mm-hmm. that, that, that at that time, Canada grounded all their flights mm-hmm. to make sure that any of the flights that we had to uh, you know, uh, uh, detour, um, you know, reroute, uh, they had available, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, landing fields and airports to sustain. In fact, one town I was reading, you know, held up to 7,000 U.S. citizens at the time, you know, to help out, you know. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, I, here's the thing. In reality, I think it's never cool not to know stuff. Now, if you're using that as part of your, your vibe or your image or whatever, you know, like the fighter who says, oh, I don't watch tape. 
You know, I just I do what I do well, and I show up. Go, you know that you know, like I don't work out. I'm just muscular. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, yeah. well, but here's the thing: if you've really got that skill set, great. You know, like like Cowboy Cerrone. That's a fighter who says, "I don't watch tape on other people," and that's okay because when he shows up, he really knows how to fight. So if if that's true, but don't ever don't ever be the guy that says that and then shows up and you look at it and you go, "Oh, that person really didn't have a game plan. Like they meant it." You know what I mean? They they showed up and figured they'd just figure it out as it went. Like, I, I don't want to do that on the international stage. So yeah. let's let's talk some fights. Pull up those highlights because uh, UFC 225 was fantastic this weekend, Frank. You know, I can't remember. I told Mikey, I can't remember the last time that I saw a pay-per-view card where all the main fights went to decision and I thought it was a fantastic card. Normally, that's a recipe for kind of lackluster. Yeah, almost always. Yeah, but this one was uh, was different. Just pull up. Is this like everybody or I what? There's a, like it, a clip for one each fight. Go to the main event. Let's start with that. Uh, Robert Whitaker uh, gets a split decision over Yoel Romero, 48-47 across the board. Uh, this fight, Frank, was the opposite uh, in a lot of ways of the way their first fight played out. The first fight, Whitaker... Uh, or rather, Romero had won the first couple of rounds, and then Whitaker took the last three. In this fight, I had the first two rounds going to Romero. Now, what he did was he fought a more cautious fight in those first couple of rounds. He fought like he fought Luke Rockholt, where he came out kind of caged up, like yeah. you know, well, and he's trying to conserve what he knows yeah. naturally. That you know, and again, I keep pointing that out. It's not, I, I, I hate it when people are like, oh, that guy doesn't, you know, he needs to train more, hit yeah. the road. I'm like, dude, the guy can hit the road all he wants. His anaerobic and aerobic capacity are only going to be so high. And, yeah. and one way that he's learned how to um, to deal with that was in the, in the Rockhold fight is to, okay, I'll conserve energy. Mm-hmm. And because I know I have a very finite amount of my output, I also think that uh, Romero had a lot more respect for Whitaker's takedown defense in the second fight after going through the you know the the first fight where uh, he, he wasn't able to uh, to work that out as well. But he dropped Whitaker. Not only did he drop Whitaker a number of times, he had him damn near finished. Uh, and it, it was an incredible effort by Whitaker to hold on. the um, The fifth round was also, in my opinion, clearly Romero's. Um, the uh, the the one that was in question was the fourth round, I guess, and uh, I had uh, I had uh, Whitaker winning that, but it w- to me it wouldn't have been a robbery either way. Um, here's uh, yeah now uh, Romero's right eye. He got jabbed in the right eye. It wouldn't have, didn't appear to be a particularly powerful punch, but but he got jabbed in the right eye, and I don't know if I've ever seen an eye swell basically shut that quickly. It was a matter of seconds when it happened, and they, they did a good job in between rounds of getting the, uh, the swelling down, but still for a large portion of the fight, uh, it appeared that Romero really couldn't see a whole lot that was coming – in coming to his right side. Yeah, and that's difficult because if you get a hook thrown that way, I mean, they're hard to see when you have two good eyes. Mm-hmm. You start messing up your, you know, not only are does it mess up the um, the width of your mm-hmm. uh, uh, field of vision, 
But also depth perception is extremely thrown off when you only have one eye. I mean, if you close one eye, your depth perception goes out the window. Your ability mm -hmm. to 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 uh, to evaluate and judge distance and how far something is and how fast it's coming towards you. So to, to remove an eye like that, then you have to start going off of more of your instinct of seeing when a guy's shoulder turns, when his weight comes forward, and knowing that, okay, well, most of the time that you know, formula of motion will lead to a strike coming here, you know, and yeah. your body hopefully responds accordingly. But, you know, fighting with one eye is extraordinarily hard. Well, I had a Whitaker taking this by hair, but honestly, this is a fight I'd need to watch over again. You know, you know, those fights where it's like, yeah. okay, I, you know, because they're exciting in some portion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you forget, you know, I was mm -hmm. like, wow, the guy didn't win that round, but you know, one round might be so big that, uh, it influences you. I remember the yeah. first time, I mean, a great example of that was when uh, the very first time, um, uh, was it Roy Jones when he fought Tarver? Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, oh, you know, Tarver got robbed. But if you went back and looked at it, it was like, or, or not really. It was that Jones won more rounds, but they were just more quiet victories, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, he would win a round. It's like, all right, he won that round, but it wasn't uh, static. Mm -hmm. And then Tarver would catch him or something. It would be much more of a dramatic round. So uh, as far as judging it as an overall fight, people feel like, oh, that guy's winning. It's like, yeah, we got to remember, guys, it's a it's a, it's a 10-point-based uh, must uh, system yeah. based round by round. So, you know, if I'm winning more rounds than you, even if the rounds you're winning are more heroic, you know, you're not winning the overall fight. Yeah, the other thing I'd like to do I'd like to watch it again and see if I see any rounds that would qualify for the new 10-8. You know, we're supposed to be giving out these 10-8s more liberally yeah. now under the, the new scoring system. There were no 10-8 rounds scored in this fight. Um, when I want to watch with John, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it would That'd be. That'd be kind of cool. Maybe we could do a yeah. fight compilation next time, re-watch an old fight yeah. like this one, yeah. one that's close. With McCarthy, and then at the same time, will uh, help us understand the scoring mm, system. That would be a good idea. More. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, and here's, I think, the best thing you can say about this. The, first of all, the second fight was better than the first. It's not often that the sequels, you know, are better than the originals. Uh, the other thing is, Whitaker's won the first two. I absolutely want to see a third. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, that is the hallmark of a really classic fight when you've got the same outcome in the first two fights and you go, when can we do a third? When can we yeah. do this again? You know, because it was that close. <laughs> Whitaker probably. <laughs> well, fuck that. Let's put that guy at the back of the bus. Well, that's funny because uh, Rogan uh, asked him about that in the post-fight comments. And he, did, he didn't say it the way you said it, but he did look at him like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think he kind of laughed. You watched yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Plus, plus, he broke his hand. And yeah. Then, and the last time he blew out his knee fighting yeah. Romero, so I yeah. think he, I wouldn't fight. I mean, yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, have completely he's a, yeah. busted right well, hand. Well, I think throw it. very intelligently, Whitaker's going to go. That's a tough son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, very easily, if fight. I fight him again, yeah. he might beat me. Yeah. I mean, it was a close victory this time. Um, and he has it in the record books. Like, look, I got two wins on this dude. Yeah. You know, until he goes ahead and cleans out all the contenders, fuck that. I don't want to have to face him again. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, it really does put a lot more pressure on Yoel to have to make sure that, like, all right, you're going to have to smash one through five, mm -hmm. where it's like, all right, well, there's no one left. He, You know, you got to fight Yoel again, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, Yoel missed the weight again, right? So Yeah, he, he did. He was oh, off did by he? Uh, 0.2 pounds, so that title was not on the line for him. I don't even know what was going to – if if he would have beaten Whitaker – 
I don't know if the title would have been vacated. I think Whitaker would have just retained the title. Yeah, no, in that situation, lost, right? it's completely not up. Yeah. It's, unless they did this one differently, but in the past, from what yeah. I understand, when a when it's a non-title fight, the title mm-hmm. you can't lose the title. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Yeah, he missed uh he missed again. All right. Well, let's go to the uh co-main event. Colby Covington gets a unanimous decision over Rafael Dos Anjos. 49-46 on one of the scorecards and 48-47 on the other two. This fight, uh, Frank, was you know, Covington out wrestled RDA, sure, but he did it in a really swarming fashion i mean in the sense that a lot of for for a nice knee yeah a lot of you know for for uh an aggressive wrestler a lot of the fight uh or maybe more of the fight than you would expect was also contested on the feet but with co with covington applying pressure uh one of the analysts actually i think it was rogan actually had a had an interesting way of putting it. he said it's kind of like watching a Diaz brother style if they were wrestlers. Yeah. So the way they're constantly pressing you, never really having you in danger of being finished, but just you can't get them off of you. You can't get them out of your face. And I really like how even here just a little bit, you could see how Covington is very good at using his body motion. Like, you know, he f- uses his body. He doesn't throw arm punches because mm-hmm. he flings with his head motion. So it, it does three things for him. One, it generates power. Uh, two, it moves his head off line for return firepower coming mm. back. See mm-hmm. there how he moved off. And then because you see how he shoots on the hips with his shoulders that way, it disguises his shots. So mm. sometimes when he slips and throws the punch, it looks like he's throwing a left hook the way he throws it. Other times he throws it, but then it loads and moves him offline and sets him up for his takedowns. Yeah. So it, it, he really does have a very good style that just it, it fits together very well. See, again, how he's moving his head, boom, 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 and throwing punches at the same time. Well, Covington is now the interim welterweight champion. Uh, he has that bad habit that I have. Jesus, fuck, I hate that. See how when he, he throws some punches, uh-huh. he looks down at the ground? Because uh-huh. sometimes, you know, very early on in my striking you know, career, you're taught to protect your chin. Yeah. And now I'm a fucking firm believer, the fuck protecting your chin, protect the back of your head. Mm. Because when you duck down like that, there's two fights now in a row where I've gotten clipped mm. behind the mm-hmm. ear. Mm-hmm. And that is way worse than any shot I've ever taken on the chin. Yeah. So he's exposed to that. See right there when he drops, sometimes he throws the punches. If right there, see how he yeah. looks down, it's yeah. like, ah, that's fucking, he's exposing the back of his ear that way to make it to where now if Rafael had thrown a hook, it could very much easier catch the back of the head. And not only is it the hand, but the forearm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when Hunt hit me with a, a punch behind the ear, he caught me all knuckle. Mm-hmm. It was his hand. I thought he was throwing a head punch. I ducked right into a, and he threw it, you know, fucking K1 champion. Mm-hmm. He aimed, you know, he, he, he knew from previous exchanges what I was going to do. I created a pattern and he fucking capitalized on it. Mm-hmm. Fucking gold medal, man. Fuck mm-hmm. it. Um, Fedor, not so much. Fedor just was, we were in a firefight and he threw, but because I ducked my head forward, I caught the forearm on the back of the head. Forearm's fucking all bone, not mm-hmm. padded. That's mm-hmm. even fucking worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, useful information there on that tell for Tyron Woodley because uh, it looks like that's where we're headed now to unify the welterweight title. Um, 
Woodley, uh, you know, Covington had unkind things to say about Tyron Woodley, as is his uh, gimmick. And then uh, Woodley uh, bought right into it like uh, like he was Brazilian, and uh, which is fine because, you know what, we talked about Tyron Woodley in, in this issue before. This is exactly the kind of opponent that Tyron Woodley needs to market a big fight. Because and Tyron Covington, because that's difficult, especially nowadays – social climate you mm-hmm. know making disparaging comments about a brazilian and, and insulting the uh, nationally yeah it could still be taken the wrong way but it doesn't i don't think we're going to have any uh, human rights groups you know uh, mm-hmm. picketing because of the ethnicity of of, <laughs> of uh, tyrone woodley yeah. a much tighter line you're going to have to as a white guy yeah making statements you know in any kind you know you can't go that route you know i mean Mm -hmm. like you can't do any kind of background racial type of statements because it just you know the the u.s now is so politically correct it won't Mm -hmm. be viewed as i'm trying to build up a fight they're like no you're not i'm excited to see covington and woodley because first of all you've that's going to be uh uh, a high caliber wrestler that uh covington is facing in that scenario and the other thing is too a bigger opponent you know rda is a guy who's moved up from lightweight up to this point, he was undefeated as a welterweight. But in Woodley, you're going to be talking about a bigger opponent, somebody that's not going to be as easy to uh, push around. Um, feature bout. Holly Holm gets a unanimous decision over Megan Anderson. Uh, two judges gave a 10-8 round to uh, Holly Holm. It was uh, 30-27 on one judge's scorecard and then 30-26 on two others and the story of this fight frank was holly home on the ground she looked improved she's hurt right there yeah she she looked improved uh you know one shot yeah we don't see home on the ground uh a lot and uh, she's done boom she ducked into that knee caught the elbow she balanced herself off the cage great composure but that was a good shot from amanda uh, from uh, Megan. Uh, Megan, Megan Anderson, yeah. I mean, a- Anderson had her moments earlier in the fight, but look at this. Once Holly got That's, her uh, to the ground, I mean, she had full mount uh, a couple of times. Look how, I mean, uh, as a jiu-jitsu expert, yeah, right. you could just look at people and go, man, you, you know, for even just like yeah. right now, I didn't see this fight, but the yeah. three or four seconds I just saw right there, yeah. uh, Megan sucks on the ground. Yeah, I mean, she didn't have a lot on the ground. You just see the way she moves. It's almost like, you know, the equivalent of you watch a guy walk into a bar, you're like, oh, he's had too much to drink. Yeah. You know, the human eye, you could pick it up immediately. Yeah. I mean, once uh, once Holly got her to the ground, and particularly the the time she got full mount, uh, Anderson just didn't look like she had. uh, She uh, had the Kimura there. She wanted it. Yeah. Yeah, she just didn't look like she she had a lot of. um, uh, Had an arm choke. Now, now, this was one thing interesting about Anderson, being a legit six feet tall. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. But you throw those big legs up, I mean. Easy to, to circumvent. I mean, yeah. that's one of those things that, like, you're rolling with somebody and you don't, you're don't, you not aware that they're able yeah. to do that. They might catch me once. Mm-hmm. But once I'm aware that you have the flexibility or the link to reach up there, yeah. there's super easy adjustments as far as where you lock up on the hips to make that impossible. Yeah. The way you pull the head, control the chin. It's like, eh, go ahead and flip your legs up. I'm going to crush your lungs for it. Yeah. Remind me of uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was on the receiving end of the James Horn body lock. That wasn't very fun. <laughs> that sucked. Um, Horn's a little anaconda, right? Yeah. Not little. But we just got those big giant legs. Yeah, and fucking, like, he could touch his fucking toes to his face. Yeah, I know. 
like Ron Jeremy back when he was young. Was it his toes? <laughs> was it the toes? Uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, a big win for, for Holly Holm. I mean, not, she was a big favorite coming into this fight, but just the fact that she looked as evolved as she – because this was a different way of winning for Holly Holm, and I think it was, it was cool to see her be able to do this. Now, you know, Holm is a fighter who – uh, can move from bantamweight to welter or to uh, uh, featherweight. Now Anderson is is going to be a featherweight fighter. I think we see her in the UFC again. Certainly, if if for no other reason yeah. but the fact that it's a shallow division. Um, but I, you know, this I don't know how well she would she would necessarily fare against a cyborg. But maybe before that, we start talking about a rematch of Holly Holm and Cyborg because uh. that was a close. I mean that I I didn't. I didn't have any doubt that Cyborg won that fight, but Holly did go the distance with her, and yeah. it was competitive. It was certainly more – I mean, just the fact that she went the distance and the mm. fact that when when the, the the score was read that you felt like it had been a competitive fight. I mean, I'm, I'm reaching yeah. here for yeah, opponents honestly, for like Cyborg. Right now at this but, point, yeah. you got to get Amanda Nunez. Yeah. That's the super fight. That's the that's the fight. That's really honestly as far yeah. as weaponry, yeah. uh, athletic ability, uh, power, grappling ability. I think Nunez actually has a decent chance against Cyborg. I think that she hits hard enough that Cyborg mm-hmm. has to respect. I think Nunez hits extremely hard. She's mm-hmm. a very powerful puncher. I don't think she has the muscle mass obviously that uh, that that Cyborg has, but she has longer levers almost. It's mm-hmm. like her reach, the way she's built structurally, I think that she hits almost equivalently as hard and I think she's a much better uh, jiu-jitsu expert if they were to have a, a role right now I would actually bet on uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nunez mm-hmm. um, but you know obviously Cyborg just carries so much weight and she's so powerful and uh, you know very good striker too so uh, as far as what I've seen in the girls division I mean maybe her I mean uh, honestly this was the one shot to have somebody for the UFC to have go against um, Cyborg to, to articulate a fight. Now you have Holly winning. Who uh, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know anybody else really clamoring to see that fight again because it wasn't yeah. like it was close. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't a blowout, but right. I thought it was very. You def- weren't on the edge of your seat when no. the decision was read. I, I got you. No, yeah. the way she was peppering her with her jab and completely yeah. controlled her, I was like, oh no. I mean, this fight's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. Uh, about the third round, I was like, okay, it's barring a lucky shot. Yeah. Cyborg is, you know, is going to win this easily, uh, and so um, you know, just Cyborg just, you know, sucks. She's just, I mean, it doesn't suck for her, I guess, in mm-hmm. that sense, where you're just so dominant of an athlete in your division that, uh, you know, she, she's basically almost cursed, kind of like how Johnson is. Yeah, you know, there at 125, where it's like you're just so good, it almost kills your money. Mm-hmm. You know, TJ or DJ, um, he's just. Same situation, mm-hmm. man. You're just so good when you beat everybody else. It's not even close. It almost kind of like loses his excitement. People kind of mm-hmm. want – I mean, fighting is exciting because it's the unknown factor. There's rivals you can get behind. When you have somebody who's just so dominant like that, and then that's what really um, you know cyborgs in a situation where it's like, shit, man. I mean, unless we start allowing her to fight men, I don't really see a competitive fight at this point for her. Mighty Mouse has his next fight made, by the way. They announced that during the broadcast. He will rematch Henry Cejudo in August in L.A. as a co-main event. How come the the the, the uh, Dillashaw fight didn't work out? I know we had a baby, but then now what's – why didn't the fight work out now? <sighs> Well, I guess because they've 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 uh, they're rematching Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt, 
So, because that was a fight I think a lot of people wanted to see again. Yeah, that's a big fight. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, I think, a better situation for Dillashaw. Yeah. Because he's not having to cut down to 25. Right. And I think it's still a super exciting fight. And, uh, you know, still a very dangerous fight. I mean, if they mm -hmm. go fight again, I don't know who I'm betting on. I mean, I think it's, you know, between him and Cody, they might fight mm -hmm. each other 100 times and we have 100 different outcomes, it's you know, as far fight. as, you know, who Love wins and how they again. win, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um... But for uh, Demetrius, he needed Dillashaw to come down. I mean, I was with everybody else, and mm -hmm. you know, with him included, that I didn't think that they should have had him fight his record-breaking title defense against TJ because I thought it overshadowed his mm -hmm. accomplishments that he's earned over what was it, thirteen title defenses in yeah. the end. You know, it's like no, no, that in itself is the narrative of this fight, and he ran away with it. You know. Phenomenal performance. He hit that, you know, whatever he calls it, the mouse trapper. No, that's something we haven't seen yet, right? Yeah, he still hasn't shown us. He hasn't the shown us mouse trap. Whatever he did with the yeah. basically the the mat return suplex to an armbar mm -hmm. midair, that was crazy mm -hmm. shit. But then I thought immediately afterwards it should be the Dillashaw fight. Mm -hmm. He needs that. I mean <laughs> He needs it to be elevated to legit main event pay per view status without any real support needed. Like even this fight, I think with Saudo is gonna be a co main event. It will be. If you put Mighty yeah, Mouse so and, Hudo's not a barn burner right. either. I mean, he, he's already got a win over him too. Yeah. So it's like if you put Mighty Mouse and TJ in a main event, you could sell that as a legit yeah. pay per view main event. And I think we'll get it. I well, do I, think, we'll I think get TJ it. does good, does well on yeah. selling. Uh, he's good marketing. I mean, like I said, it's it just that. Well, like I said, the fact that TJ and Cody fighting each other, mm -hmm. there's nobody can make a strong argument why either guy for sure is going to win. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, man, it's hands down. Mm -hmm. Cody's going to you know, regain it. Like, really? Yeah. Really? I don't know, man. And flip side, you couldn't sit here and, if, and, and look me straight in the eye and tell me, hey, dude, 100% TJ is going to retain the title against mm -hmm. Cody. It's like, I don't know, man. I mean, that, that's a, those two are pretty evenly matched as far as abilities. Um, but when it's Demetrius, it's like, oh, he's yeah. going to win. It's just when and how, you yeah. know, like it loses the dramatic fashion. And on top of that, it just, uh, you know, he's such a nice guy. He's not the villain. So it's not like you're watching because you want to see him lose. You you know, it's just like. Well, back to UFC uh, 225. Uh, the heavyweights were in action in the number two spot. Undefeated 9-0 and Tai Tuivasa taking on somebody you fought, Frank Andre Arlovsky. Tuivasa gets a unanimous decision over Arlovsky, 29-28 on all three of the scorecards. I actually, I think I gave this fight to Arlovsky. I, this is one I would like to watch again because it's probably just by a razor-thin margin. But uh, uh, Tuivasa had trouble with Arlovsky's boxing in this. Now, um, uh, Tuivasa had finished all nine of his fights by first round KO. So he had never been, uh, he'd never seen a second round, let alone a three round decision. And, uh, he got busted up pretty good. Uh, Arlovsky really was able to establish his, his boxing. This to me was a testament of, uh, how hard of a shot Tuivasa can take, how much punishment he could take, even against an accomplished boxer like Andre Arlovsky. So it did a couple of things. It proved that Tai Tuivasa, I think, is is belongs legit in the UFC's top ten. That he's got a strong future ahead of him. Mm -hmm. It was by far his biggest test. But I think it also showed that he's not superhuman. That you know somebody like Arlovsky could take big shots from Tuivasa and actually use, uh, in Arlovsky's case, his superior boxing technique to frustrate Tuivasa. 
you know, and you know, if 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 Tuivasa has a championship aspirations, eventually he's maybe going to have to do this for five rounds and uh, not just three. So here's some of the highlights: Arlovski goes in, rank number nine. Tuivasa comes in, rank number twelve. I would assume that this win is going to elevate Tuivasa into the um, top ten. He got his nose busted up pretty good too, uh, Tuivasa, in this uh, in this fight. So here we go. There's Tuivasa dropping Arlovsky. There's uh, Arlovsky dropping Tuivasa. And, uh, yeah, by the by the second round, Arlovsky had really kind of established his, his boxing. One of the better uh, boxers you face, Frank? Arlovsky, uh, what do you think? Ah, oh, man, I've faced so many great fighters. Uh, yeah, you do remember fighting him, right? Yeah, okay. sometimes. <laughs> Uh, great footwork. I yeah. think probably one of the better footwork. Okay, right. Oh, what's the word? How do I explain that? You know, I had some of the best footwork of anybody mm-hmm. I've ever faced. Mm-hmm. You know, for heavyweight, you know, mm-hmm. Orlowski just bounces well on his toes. I well, mean, and see these exchanges. In and out movements, yeah. you know. Uh, and see on the in and outs, Orlowski's winning the combination battle. Tui yeah, Lass- no, he's very good at that. Yeah, Tuivasa can land a shot, but you're trading Orlowski, you know, maybe two or three for your one. You can see uh, Tuivasa's nose busted up pretty good there at this point. Yeah, I mean, Arlovsky winning the combo battles every time, in and out. Yeah, shit, man. I mean, from what I've seen in the highlights, it looks like Andre won this fight. I mean, this is another one that I'd like to go back and and watch again because I had had Arlovsky winning it, but, you know, when three judges have the exact same score, 29-28, and it's not the way you scored it, uh, you know, I'd I'd give Tuivasa another another look here. But as I said, you know, can't remember the last time that a main card and it, also the punch stats were were real close on this fight too. Can't remember the last time that I watched a main card, all five fights go to a decision, and I thought it was just a spectacular uh, card. Now, um, what maybe wasn't so spectacular, and we got to talk about the fight that kicked off this uh, UFC 225 main card was CM Punk in his second fight taking on Mike Jackson. Now, here's the good news. For CM Punk, he went the distance all 15 minutes. Uh, he uh, loses the fight 30-26 across all three judges' scorecards. So he was on the uh, the short end of a 10-8 round. Um, this fight, Frank, was, you know... Dana put way more of the blame on Mike Jackson, and I agree with him here in the sense that these these two guys came in 0-1 professionally. Punk had never had an amateur fight. Jackson had had an amateur, one amateur MMA fight, but he also had a couple of boxing matches. So he was this, he should have, look at this right here. He was a superior striker. On paper, but there were examples, look at this, there were examples of, look at what he's doing right here. Here is uh, Jackson in Punk's guard. Now, Punk was actually punching up from his back rather than trying to set up a triangle or something like that. But um, Jackson was kind of clowning him. Like from, he's completely postured up. He's doing yeah. the look away. You have an ability punch. to do that. Well, and especially in this setting, yeah. you know, you're just I, not that good, and yeah. you haven't accomplished shit. You got to be, you know. Yeah, I think I, it's when Cody Garbrandt is poking at you like yeah. he was in the fight with uh, uh, TJ. 
or Dom Cruz. Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's earned that ability to go yeah. ahead and clown and, and be funny. And you know what I mean? He's a respectable fight. You know, yeah. his skill level has earned it to where, I mean, not that he can't catch you, but when you're at this level, it's like just stick in there and fight and do the moves. You know Here's what I mean? where I think you've got to draw a line on that is are you doing that at the expense of finishing the fight? Yeah, you know. Now the, I know what you're. Yeah, because ta- even yeah. you know you're absolutely right. Actually, so I stand corrected. Because uh, Anderson Silva, remember when he fought uh, Damian Maya, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of was yeah. it that fight? And a lot of clowning. A lot of it. And it was yeah. like, dude, get in there and fucking fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think at that point, I remember. Uh, did Dana get up and leave? Yeah. I think he wouldn't he, even. He threw the belt to Ed Soares before the decision was announced. He just tossed it to him yeah. and walked away from you know, the So cage. even Anderson, right. who at his peak, yeah. I still think is probably the one of the greatest MMA yeah, fighters of 100%. all time. Uh, as far as, I mean, shit, man. He, he cleaned out the division. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, when he did it, it. You know, at some point, you're right. There can be some, but how cold Garbrandt did it in his fight, it was like it added to it. It was part of the strategy. Like it screwed with Dominic. Yeah. Caused Dominic not to fight the way he fights. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to. And then Cody used it very intelligently. I was impressed. I'm like, yeah. wow. That's, you know, we were talking. Um, who was the head coach there again? Uh, which, which. At that point, uh, Garbrandt. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're talking about Justin Buckles. Buckles yeah. Team Alpha. I now. was extremely impressed with Buckles in there. I remember said, I was like, "Hey, you guys did that on purpose. Like that was mm-hmm. part of the game plan." Huh? Mm-hmm. He goes, "Yeah." I'm like, "Dude, that was fucking clever. Yeah. Very smart." Where Anderson was kind of like, "Dude, fucking fight, man! Like, yeah. just just finish him. Just, there, just there get in there, no, get him." Yeah, you know yeah there I mean? was like, no moment like that where you're like, "Okay, clearly this." Yeah, I'm like, "Dude, you're wasting our fucking finished. time. Like, or or yeah. just tell us you're gonna do this, so I know when it's time to go buy a beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me know. It's like, all right, you're gonna do this for the next three or four minutes, so we can go hit the head. You know? Yeah. And to that point, Jackson was talking in his post-fight comments about what he wanted to do next in the UFC and after the fight. Dana White basically said, "I don't think there's gonna be a next. You're yeah. you're done here." So uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if you can't finish yeah i mean I, I, look i'm trying not to be an asshole here i respect the fact that cm punk as an athlete had aspired to want to train True. in martial arts he exposed himself you know he put himself out there in a way that a lot of other athletes that have accomplished what he has in life he didn't have to do it i mean i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he's monetarily sound enough Should that, be. you know, unless he's a fucking moron, which yeah. I don't really take, you know, get that impression. I, seems like a very smart guy. Seems like a smart guy. So, I mean, I respect that aspect of his warrior spirit mm-hmm. that at this stage of his life, he wanted to go ahead and go out there. And did he take advantage of his fame to get a spot in the UFC to do so? Yeah, that's fucking life, guys. People take advantage of what, you know, and mm-hmm. he, but he earned that. It wasn't like it was... It wasn't like he's Dana's nephew, and that's why he got to fucking get the fight. Like because of his accolades in the pro wrestling world, which he earned those accolades. Yeah. He built up that fan base. He gets opportunities that a lot of nobody else is fucking going to get, unless mm-hmm. it's you know Brad Pitt or somebody who goes, "Hey, I want to fight." Well, you're mm-hmm. going to get a spot in the UFC. That being said, <laughs> if you're a UFC fighter and you can't finish CM Punk. You probably shouldn't be a UFC well, level, then, yeah, you know, exactly. Bellator level, so, ACB. Right. You're probably not in one of the top premier leagues if you can't finish a guy. Right. 
and with and, his skill set. And you know who handled it correctly was Mickey Gall in the first CM Punk yeah, fight. He walked right through and, him. And look at what Mickey Gall's doing now. Mickey Gall's a legit yeah. fighter in the UFC. And, you know, would it have been more impressive if his first win would have come over some, uh, somebody more experienced than CM Punk? Sure. But Mickey Gall also took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of him, which yes. was a lot of eyeballs. Everybody's learning his name because he's the first guy that's going to wow. fight CM Punk. Finishes him, and now he's on to a career. Mike Jackson basically treated this like it, in my opinion like it was way more of an achievement than it than it was yeah. to, to well, and, and that's what i'm saying too yeah i mean in one hand hats off yeah i know what it takes to be in there and walk in the cage yeah. and train for it. the fact that he's done that i respect cm punk on that level. sure there's a lot most assholes in the world will never ever strap a pair of gloves on and walk into a cage and have thousands of people watch them have the opportunity to possibly get their fucking ass handed to them. Mm -hmm. That takes balls. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It takes balls to go and do it more than once, mm -hmm. you know? But he's only so good. He's not yeah. on skill set alone. I don't think anybody's going to argue that he earned a shot in the UFC. No, he didn't. Mm -hmm. he, he wouldn't make Bellator or ACB. I mean, I, no, if we'd have was, to go down. I mean, the International Fight League. I mean, I, if I don't, he was doing this on some regional amateur card, not only would nobody have a problem with it, everybody would be excited to watch him do it. Now, I, I got to tell you, I'm pulling for him. You know, is, is watching an older guy who started late and all that kind of – I mean, there's a lot of relatable stuff well, there, but – it, it, you can't get away from the fact that that's a spot that, I mean, you look at this undercard, you had Rashad Evans, Clay Guida, Alistair Joseph Overeem. Benavidez. Well, I'm talking, yeah, and I'm talking about the fight pass part of it. Overeem fought on the, the FS1 prelim. But he still was uh, not on the main card. Not on the main card. And then uh, with, uh, with, with Benavidez, Sergio Pettis, Clay Guida, uh, Rashad Evans, all those guys were on the fight pass card. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. You can't. Th this is an aberration. I mean, you know, it's it's the only time we've really seen something like this. But I will once again advocate for my uh, invented policy of MMA Hunger Games. What we do is once a year, and it's only one time a year. We will do it no more than once a year. Once a year, a celebrity is granted the opportunity to compete in the UFC. And one time a year only. So you want to do uh, like, and, you know, if somebody has an interest, like Demi Lovato trains jujitsu, you want to put her in a female match. That's fine. We can do that, but only once a year. And then when the concept becomes just a little bit stale, here's the the hook to freshen it up. We quit informing the celebrity ahead of time. <laughs> That'll spice it up, yeah. right? Hey, that's really cool. They gave me this cage side seat. Boy, <laughs> wait, what? What's Where, that short you wear yeah, on? Yeah. Why are you, are you asking me? what yeah. shorts I wear? Oh, I get my well, is, that a, is that a large pair of hands yeah. together? <laughs> Shaking hands. It's almost kind of like, you know, the guy behind him with the tape measure. Like, why do you fucking measure me, dude? Yeah. What's your reach? What the fuck? You're still <laughs> asking questions while the cut man's putting the Vaseline on uh, your <laughs> What kind of, I mean, am I doing a commercial? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> You're going to have me a can of Monster or something? No. <laughs> Why is that guy looking at me kind of funny? <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Well, that you know what? Awesome. I, and, and I think if you go back in shows before, I, there was a, a large part of me that had an issue with the fact that, you know, CM Punk was getting the opportunity to fight there. Not because he got to fight. And, 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 I, re, and I always respected yeah. the fact that someone wants to step in there. But I was always, my mentality is like, well, fuck, man. He took someone else's spot. Yeah. There's somebody else out there who's put in hard work as a fighter. But I've kind of come to terms with that. It's like, well, here's the thing. He wanted to fight. 
CM Punk is famous because of what he's earned. Once again, it isn't like he's just some fucking trust fund rich kid that, you know, a Paris Hilton type where it's like, well, what the fuck have you done in life? Yeah. Um, he could have fought on a regional show or somewhere mm -hmm. small, but then what would he have made? Financially, right. Whereas the way he's looking at it, he goes, "Well, shit, I could go fight for three or four, or five thousand dollars, or I can go get paid fucking five hundred sure. grand, whatever the UFC paid him." It's like, "Well, I'm going to fight either way. I'll go there." And then, and, so who are you going to fault? I mean, yeah. the numbers show that people wanted to watch. I mean, when he fought last time in Cleveland, I mean, more people wanted to watch. I mean, trust me, I think that card had like almost eight hundred thousand buys. It wasn't because of Stipe. You know yeah. I mean? Like, Stipe's obviously the martial arts that's accomplished and a world class, going to go down probably as one of the greatest heavyweights, sorry, fucking Angelo, yeah. of the champions of the <laughs> UFC. But pay-per-view powerhouse, he's not. Whereas yeah. CM Punk, I mean, even right now, if we did a third fight, CM Punk would probably sell more pay-per-views. I mean, just it's the way it is. So, you know, that's just shit. Life, man, deal with it. Yeah, I, you know... Um, and and this experience that he's gotten, if he still wants to do something with it, go fight on a regional card. You know, CM Punk. I yeah, because the problem is, is you can't fighting is a two man sport. Yeah, that's now the only issue I do have an issue with is that, well, he's famous and he's done things to get there and have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But like the guy Jackson, you gave him an opportunity, and he by far did not earn the opportunity. To right. fight. You know what I mean? Like the guy, nobody of his, I mean, he got a fucking gift. Yeah. So if you want to be mad at somebody, be like, oh, dude, that's talk about an undeserving situation. Yeah. The Jackson kid got a fucking undeserving yeah, because situation. You didn't have an exact parallel to CM Punk, which was a super famous. No. 40 year old celebrity the, who wants your, to fight. your ticket was is that you sucked bad enough that they thought maybe there was a chance of CM Punk could get a win over yeah you. because what you end up doing is you end up having to have two people in the organization yeah. that otherwise wouldn't wouldn't be there. Um, all right. Well, we talked about uh, Alistair Overeem. He got finished by Curtis Blades. Took Blades almost three full rounds. In fact, he only had four seconds to spare. 256 into the third round. Blades uh, TKOs Overeem with, uh, with some ground and pound. You know, uh, Frank, you and I had talked about how impressed we were with uh, Curtis Blades wrestling. And that was going to be the big story coming into this, uh, this fight. I think the stat was like, he had he averaged almost five times the number of takedowns that uh, Overeem did. Of course, Overeem one of the most proficient strikers in MMA history. This was his 60th fight, by the way, his 60th MMA fight. Overeem's, but um, Blades uh, got him to the ground, and once he got him to the ground, uh, imposed his will. And um, you know, boy, this is a guy who's going nowhere but up. Curtis Blades, look at that mess. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean skill set wise, what I saw was his fight with uh, Hunt. Specifically, I mean, he takes a good shot. Mm -hmm. He has decent striking. It's it's evolving and developing. But his takedowns, his tenacity, his cardio, his athletic ability, I think that um, that right now that the, he's probably one of the better opportunities to dethrone Stipe that anybody in the heavyweight division mm -hmm. has right now. Yeah. If you told me right now, pick somebody in the UFC that might, you know, uh, you know, give Stipe the run for his money. Yeah, I'm going for him, man. That's the guy. Uh, I think that you know, even right now, if I'm Francis Ngannou, I would be avoiding him like the plague. Mm -hmm. Well, there is no doubt that uh, Curtis Blades is working his way toward a heavyweight title shot, and he took uh, another huge step in that direction by defeating. 
Alistair Overeem. Um, I also wanted to make mention of the uh, the Claudia Gedalia Carla Esparza card uh, fight. Now Gedalia got a split decision victory over Esparza. Uh, 29-28 on two of the cards, 28-29 on the third. But I saw Gedalia do something that it was, it was pretty clever what she did in the post-fight comments because here's what happened. Um, the, the crowd seemed to think that Esparza won, and so they were booing the decision, right? Did you notice this, Mikey? Yeah, They're booing the decision. So Claudia Gedalia gets on the mic and goes, Guys, don't boo her. Do not boo her. She fought a heck of a fight. Do not boo her. Well, they weren't booing her. They were booing the decision. But it was pretty clever to just you don't even you don't recognize that. You know, they're booing your decision victory and you just guys, do not boo her. Do not boo my opponent. She fought a uh, a quality fight. But uh anyway, Esparza wins this and uh what else? Uh, Sergio Pettis got a split decision over uh, Joe Benavidez. That was another very close fight. Rashad Evans got knocked out in 53 seconds. I think this is probably going to do it for Rashad. I think that there's been talk of that for quite a while now. And uh, I think Rashad himself was saying that, if I'm not mistaken, that this could be his last fight in the UFC. So might be about time for that. And uh, Charles Oliveira, guillotine, Clay Guida, two minutes and 18 seconds into the first round. Boy, Clay Guida, though, nobody can take a loss like Clay Guida. I mean, he sprints to the – I mean, how many years have we been watching Clay Guida do this? He sprints to the cage. He's super excited. His big brother's slapping him in the face, getting ready for the fight. I get tired watching him get to the fight. Right. He goes in. He looked great. Uh, You know, he got caught by by Oliveira uh, in a nasty guillotine, popped right back up, and basically said, I can't wait to come back. So – uh, it's it's going to be a sad day when Clay Guida eventually has to leave uh, the the octagon because he may have never won a title or anything. But when you think about kind of early guys who established themselves as fan favorites, oh, yeah. he's one of the first that comes to mind. Yeah, as far as didn't earn it for being the dominant champion, mm-hmm. uh, but just personality and the quality of fighting that he always showed up with always a game guy uh, in wars every time high altitude in a way like chris lieben did yeah you know i mean lieben was more of a puncher knockout yeah yeah but but same thing same always always brought you know you you had to pack a lunch right for sure all right uh let's uh let's cover a couple of uh headlines here because uh huh yeah i'm actually good yeah we're, we're good we got a few more minutes um this news today from Dana White, Frank, this involves uh, somebody that you have fought and defeated, uh, taken on somebody that you know and have trained with. Dana White says that when Brock Lesnar's deal with the WWE expires this summer, that Lesnar wants to fight John Jones. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it's a good payday. I mean, uh, it'll be a lot of attention on it. I think a lot of people will question whether the size of Brock will be able to overrun the ability of John, but um, it won't. John, even if they had a wrestling match right now, John's mm-hmm. the better wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he gives up size, but but reach, you know, um, and uh, skill sets as far as, uh, you know, hands, feet, uh, and just overall. I mean, John is one of the greatest fighters in MMA, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing that John does inside the cage that can ever put into doubt his abilities. I mean, the only thing is he's, he he's shot himself in the foot multiple times. Yeah. Uh, 
almost <laughs> so far he hasn't actually shot himself yeah. in the foot but if someone's gonna shoot themselves in the foot it would be john right right <laughs> we're gonna hear that fight i was cleaning my rifle yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, fucking john well you know what that fight makes me think of just off the top of my head is i don't think brock lesnar particularly enjoys getting hit and remember the way that that Alistair Overeem kind of beat him into retirement with the body shots. Yeah. Remember that? Like, I could kind of see a similar outcome where yeah. where Jones keeps that fight standing, yeah. uses that. that not not, hey, not hey, only. Trust me, though. It would not surprise me if John came out there, punched him, kicked him, established that you can't get past my strikes. Yeah. I can hit you at will. And then when Brock comes in trying to grab him, uh, John takes him down just to show throw him. just to show that yeah. he can. I mean, he did it against Cormier, and and Cormier is a higher accomplished wrestler as far as collegially and uh, internationally, you know. Right, right. Than Brock was, you know. Yeah. Brock was a very good college wrestler, but on an international and freestyle level, never competed at the level that even Daniel competed at, and John took him down, you know, mm. and couldn't be taken down by DC. Um, I, and I, I mean, I, I say this, I've said it on multiple occasions, I had talked about, uh, to Cale Sanderson, about John, who was, Cale was looking to recruit him to bring him over mm -hmm. uh, when John was coming out of, uh, you know, junior college. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he said, he goes, I worked with him. He came to my house. He had dinner. Uh, he goes, that guy would be an Olympic gold medalist. Hmm. Heavyweight, Olympic gold medalist. He goes, that's him right there. Um, why didn't you recruit him? Uh, and he was like, well, you know, there's other factors. That was all he said at the time. And this was, you know, mm -hmm. fucking seven or eight years ago. And obviously those other factors are things that have come to fruition now that we all see. But Kale Sanderson, just being the guy from Utah, Mormon guy, just... He doesn't have it in him to ever say anything despairingly about anybody. So it wasn't like he's like, well, I don't think I can control him. I, I think that he would get in trouble outside. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't say nothing, anything of that situation. He was just like, well, there's other factors. Mm -hmm. That was his explanation. I was like, oh, he's that good of a wrestler? He goes, absolutely. He goes, I could have made him a gold medalist. He'd have been multiple time NCAA champion. Wow. That's the level of ability he had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, and I don't know – how if if what else has to be cleared out of the way for that? I guess at that point, Jones is clear to fight, and they'd have to re-sign Brock and all that kind of thing. Oh, John would take it. I mean, that's a big payday. Oh yeah, huge yeah, payday. And you know what? Honestly, too, in John's case, well, the least dangerous fight, you know, than some of the other guys that John and well, well and, light heavyweight. Who is it light heavyweight for? I mean, well, I think that that's a less dangerous fight than fighting Gustafsson. I mean, fighting Gus again. I mean, if there was ever a fight that I, yeah. as John's friend, yeah. that I'm always a little nervous about, is right. that Gus fight, man. That's still that out of all John's fights. Very true. That's the one guy that I'm like stylistically because of his height and his movement, and mm -hmm. his, especially after watching when Gus fought uh, more recently against. Um, the other really tough Brazilian that hits like a mother, uh, uh, Glover Teixeira. Oh right, he's even gotten better since he fought John last yeah. time. I'm like, yeah. shit, man. You know that guy is really good. Yeah, and 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 also too, uh, here's something to consider. Jones could benefit from a marketing standpoint having the the marketing juggernaut of the name of Brock Lesnar because you know with Jones when we talk about the the most dominant fighters of the era Jones is one of these guys that and largely because of you know his own shortcomings and then these inter these periods of inactivity whenever something goes south with him that he's not 
for for as 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 great of a fighter as he's been, he's not one of the most marketable fighters. Mm-mm. You know, not when you talk to the average person on the street. You know, and you're naming names to see who they know. So he's actually a guy, as crazy as it sounds, that could benefit yeah, from absolutely. having a huge, you know, marquee name to the casual fan like Brock yeah. Lesnar. Well, I just and I wish John and I, I gave him this advice when I was training at Jackson's five years ago. Just be himself, man. Just mm-hmm. you know, you can exaggerate certain parts of your personality. Like when you see me talk, uh, and I'm marketing in a fight, it's not really that is not my true hundred percent who I am. Yeah, it's an exaggeration of certain aspects of my personality, but it's not fabricated. I'm not acting. Right. It isn't like I'm playing a role. It's like you know, just like everybody. You have those days where you feel kind of cocky, or you have those days you're kind of sad. There's different parts of everybody's personality, and just when I'm marketing in a fight, I know what parts of my personality look better on camera. And so I push those to the forefront. The problem is, is I think that the fans, and this is the problem Daniel Cormier kind of runs into too. They sense when something's just completely fabricated. Like DC's a good dude. He's, you know what? The guy's the captain of the wrestling team. He's the guy that you want your daughter to go ahead and go, hey, I'm going on a date with that guy. You're like, oh, okay. That guy can take you out. I'm okay with this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so for Daniel to try to act like the bad guy, you know, boo ha ha it's like, mm-hmm. oh, fucking painful to watch. Mm-hmm. He looks stupid doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, you're not him. You're not that guy. The fans can feel it. That's why there's a little bit of, you know, that's why even when him and uh, John fight each other, fans kind of dislike Daniel. They're like, mm-hmm. ah, man, this guy's a faker. You know what I mean? Just the, the, He rubs them the wrong way. Yeah. It's like, just go out being you. Let people either like you or dislike you, but based upon who you are. Nothing's worse, really, in that situation of being somebody you're not and then having people hate you. Because then you can sit there and go, you know, it's like going on a date with a girl, pretending to be somebody you're not, and then the girl goes, I really don't like you. Like, oh, fuck, what would you like? You're like, oh, but, oh no, you really would have liked the real me. That's frustrating. Whereas yeah. if you act like yourself and someone goes, yeah, you're not my cup of tea. I don't like you. I can live with that. Not everybody's for everybody. That's just fucking life. You can't please the whole world. You know, fucking that's just not the way it works. And John, John is a little, obviously is a fucking, you know, is a wild child, mm-hmm. man. The guy has a fucking streak to him. Yeah, He's he does very, the opposite thing. Yeah, so he tries to act like this, you know, Corinthians and, mm-hmm. and you know, all, all things through God. It's like, hey, buddy, everybody can smell through it, dude. Like mm-hmm. they're looking at you like, be you. You know, you like the party. You're able to only train three or four days a fucking week and still kick everybody's fucking ass. Mm-hmm. Just be that guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you got a wife and kids. You don't have to be crazy about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> keep a little bit under, but you can't completely pull a 180 with the crowd and sit there and go, oh, no, I'm home every night at eight o'clock reading the fucking Bible. It's like, and then, you know, they see you in the news. You're like, dude, you're running hookers over on the fucking street, running out and there's fucking drugs flying over the place. It's like, yeah, that no bullshit. You know what I mean? But if you're just like, hey man, I'm a young successful guy. I like the party. I'm out there. I, you know, hey, when it's time to fight, I show up and fight. Though and you're like, oh okay. Yeah. Well, guess what? You're gonna have a group of people that like you, and they're gonna like you for who you really are. You know, people that fucking hate you. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's maybe the hardest thing for, and it also shows you too as as high level as some people are in certain aspects of their life, like in this case, athleticism, how really insecure people can be about the individuals that they are and having the security to just be yourself. 
like you said. See, I would have the opposite uh, ability. I would have no athletic ability, <laughs> but I would be very secure in my uh, my ability to just you know own it, to just own what I am. So. Anyway, wouldn't be much fun to watch on fight night, but I could like the press conference. I mean, you know, my you're right. Rather than just do the, you know, the the try to play the the supervillain like Cormier, I would just I would love to see the person like Chael had the great ability of passive aggression. Like he was good in the trash talk with Jones. You know, but, I would I would look at somebody like John Jones and go, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna kick your ass and then I'm gonna give you a ride home because I think your license is still suspended. Yeah, but I mean that smart ass quick wit is his personality. Yes, There's a part chills, of Chael yes. that he's a he can be a dick. He yes. can be a funny he's that guy that'll bust your balls. And so yeah. what he's done is he's made a career off of just focusing on busting your balls publicly. Yeah. And being funny about it, you know, yeah. and just in, in deadpan, look you in the face and be like, I'm not laughing. I'm not yeah. joking. It's like, we all know you're fucking around, but he's just that guy that, you know, frat boyish, almost like, you know, fucking and, screw with you. And you know? talked himself into some big paydays Huge. because of it, too. It's but it is out. still who he is, That's a part right. of him. That's right. Is it's it all genuine. he is? No. Yeah. I've sat and hung out with him. He's yeah. a super nice guy. On top of that, there's other aspects to his personality. Yeah. So it's not made up. Whereas he... When when we uh, I mean the second biggest I mean I think the biggest fight of his life he had uh, uh, John Jones and Anderson Silva but probably right below that would be uh, matching up against me in combat name that tune but I can tell you that when we were doing that bit he was genuinely enjoying like the yeah. the, the shit talking you know what I'm saying like the stuff I was I could tell he you know was what? enjoying what I was saying he, he really wanted to take your arm yeah when he sat there and grabbed your arm like oh the way when he pivoted and the way he spun when he threw his leg over your head from the back I'm like oh fuck yeah <laughs> we were talking about that with Big John he that last uh, uh, sequence was a, a pretty serious arm in fact I don't know uh, I got, no, you got all injured off of it I took a good picture I had a really ugly looking uh, uh, mark on my Gene uh, Byrne was my it? bicep yeah it was really kind of a bruise but anyway, I thought maybe put that on our social media yeah. Well, anyway, I you know what? I'll, I'll offer him a rematch at some point. Yeah, I'm you know? sure he's going to take it. Be, be fucking careful, buddy. We, yeah. got to make sure we get over to Drysdale's <laughs> keep your skills up. Cause Absolutely. I, I don't know. He definitely wasn't throwing any – I think the first one was a little bit of a softball. Yeah. Second one, he was playing baseball. Third one, he threw some heat, man. Yeah. It was yeah. coming for you. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. I can't remember. I think it was like Paint It Black by the Stones or something, but – I, I couldn't get it out of my mouth fast enough to get him to. to I was like, thinking, there goes my backpack bar. guy. No! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can you get things out? That's <laughs> right. Hang it over the arm. That's right. He's with the weigh ins <laughs> the next day. All right, uh, Frank, tell them about that Amazon banner at the front of phoneboothfighting.com, will you? Well, it's one of the easiest ways to help us out here at the show. When you click on uh, phoneboothfighting.com, there will be an Amazon banner. If you click on that, it's a portal to the Amazon page. You can do all your shopping for your wants and needs. At uh, no extra charge to you, a small percentage will come back here at the show to help us out. And uh, also, tell them how to follow us on social media. Well, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, it's Phone Booth Fighting. If you're on Snapchat or Twitter, it's Phone Booth Fight. That's going to do it for tonight. Now, I will tell you that uh, if all things go according to plan, and I anticipate they will, that on Thursday's show, joining us here in studio, will be the triumphant return of UFC women's flyweight Jessica Rose Clark. We have, I don't think we have ever gotten as positive of a response 
of having a guest in studio as we did Jessica Rose Clark. She's definitely one of the dudes. She was fantastic. Our listener, I mean, she could just hang with whatever, wherever the conversation went. She was charming. Our listeners loved her. I know we're very big uh, in Australia. She, of course, is an Aussie herself, so uh, that will factor into it. And the, the funny thing about it is you will be in Australia, but joining us via Skype. Yep. So we're going to uh, – uh, so the second show of this week is for you Australians. Uh, between the in-studio appearance of Jessica Rose Clark, she'll be up here for the duration of the show. We'll have Frank actually over in Brisbane, Australia, uh, via Skype, and uh, we'll get more into what he's doing over there then. But uh, anyway, she'll be back with us, and uh, very excited to have her back. I know she's excited to be back. Um, and Mikey will be back with us too, right? Because yeah. the uh, uh, there's no porn being shot right now, and the right. There's no, always uh, porn. Come I, on. I my boss had to move because of Frank's uh, non-paying porn habit. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Look, See, dude, there you you're causing I, I, okay, hold on. to lose I'm jobs. I'm glad Mrs. Mir doesn't listen to this fucking thing. Right. I've thought it out. Okay. Okay, because she obviously watches all the bills. She yep. knows if I were to put my credit card down on any of the, you know, uh, porn sites. But mm-hmm. I, a couple of my sons like, hey, a year-long membership, one-time fee of like, you know, 140 bucks. Like, yeah. That is worth it for how much pornography. Then, you know, well, yeah. Anyways. You've got to hide one bill from Well, her. no, no. Oh. Prepaid credit card. Oh, you got to work, right? Yeah. 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 Go ahead and just put $200 down, get that prepaid. Yeah. Go ahead and put that number in there. No paper trail. That's a good there one. Does go. a, what does an annual Jurassic Cock membership run, Mikey? <laughs> um, Roughly, what do you I think? Don't know we what can... our, our annual probably yeah. like forty nine or ninety. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. I thought I saw okay. something. I, was I like... think because they give you a discount if you buy a year. Mm. Yeah, 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 I saw that as a year because yeah, because yeah. they had like you know Naughty yeah. America, Brazzers. Mm. There's all okay. kinds of good ones. All right, well, prepaid card, and then uh, of course also. Or maybe Mike... they can sponsor the. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we sponsored the show. They're like, yeah. Yeah, Frank's right arm is starting to look quite yeah. developed. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey uh, was also working a lot of the Golden Knights games too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then that came to end. Let me tell you, this is an example of how I don't – if you don't know this from listening to the show previously, I follow combat sports. I know MMA. I know boxing. I know little to nothing about any other sport that's not a combat sport. So let me give you an example. These Golden Knights have been playing this hockey here in our hometown of Las Vegas, right? I knew they were in the playoffs. But the other night, I looked on, I don't know, CNN.com or something like that, and the headline was the Washington team had beaten the the Golden Knights. The Capitals had beaten the Golden Knights for the Stanley Cup. Now, here's what happened in my mind. I went, Oh no, they're not in the that yet. Like, oh, somebody's going to get fired at the website because they <laughs> accidentally put up that yeah. they won the Stanley Cup, and then they're going to pull that down. I was shocked, shocked, I tell you, to find out that the Golden Knights were even competing for the Stanley Cup at this point. So let everybody alone, else, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but, I mean, expansion team taking players that nobody else wanted, mm-hmm. putting yeah. them together. Um, I was having this conversation with somebody else where they were talking about basically. What they did this season is going to yeah. cause other GMs yeah. from around the country to lose their jobs. Because basically, right. I mean, if you're an owner, you're going to look yeah. and go, hey, wait a minute. How'd you do that? These guys, yeah. with the misfits that no one else wanted, basically, yeah. put together a team that had a winning schedule, yeah. you know, set franchise records for you know an opening area. Not only did they make the playoffs, went to the Stanley Cup, and... Looked competitive the first game. I mean, the first game that came out, it was yeah, we won the first game. Yeah, yeah. won the. It was a phenomenal shootout. Like I was yeah. watching, it was like I think it ended up being four to six. I think it was mm-hmm. five to six. 
Or no, I think we got to open an empty. Yeah, this, yeah so it was four six. Yeah, yeah it was six, four five. Then. They pulled their goalie the last minute, and then yeah. we, you know, mm-hmm. blocked the shot and were able mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. open net. And uh, you know, I mean, so they're like, well, if these guys can do it, this is then then why? I mean, we're actually you're working. I mean, here, you know, let's say you're you're the general manager of you know the Ducks. Mm-hmm. You know, and be like, hey, wait a minute. You actually got to pick the players you have. Mm. You know, we're paying these guys top dollar, and you know how many teams didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. You're like, holy shit! You know, like there are some people that are gonna, you know, that are probably sweating bullets right now. Well, it, uh, you know, the 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 thing about it is, uh, and I, I even surprised myself that I was unaware that the Stanley Cup was being contested at that point in my own uh, adopted hometown. But I will tell you this, and I stand by this. That those those golden nights could have me interested if they weren't golden. This drives me crazy. Oh, they were the Silver State. Well, no, there's just nothing golden about a night. And well, it's it, Vegas. Well, money. No, here's here's Gold. still a complete non sequitur. Now, here's what I was explained to me by someone that apparently the guy who owns the team went to West Point. And I guess West Point, they're the golden something or another's. Yeah. And and that he's owned several other things, and that he always makes them the golden something as some sort of homage to his alma mater. Well, I mean, at least there's a, a legitimate reason for why. But it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So like, I let's mean, does look, any team name make sense? Yeah. If you're okay. the you can be the Las Vegas Knights, and you got a guy. I know what a knight is. You got a guy in a suit of armor, and that's. You're, you're done. Like, you're, what you're doing is you're forcing on a non sequitur. So it'd be like this. If I, say, I went to University of Texas, which I did briefly, um, but, you know, they're the Longhorns, so I get to be rich and I buy an NHL team. Well, we're going to have the Las Vegas Knights, but I went, I'm went. i a I'm a University of Texas Longhorn, so they're going to be the Bovine Knights. That doesn't make any sense. I'm just forcing a cattle reference into the otherwise medieval uh, concept of what Uh. we're doing with the night. And here's another thing. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, Mikey. I saw a picture of some rally they were having or something like a pep rally. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they had some mascot that was like a snake. He's a Gila monster. He's Chance. What is he? Chance. He's a Gila monster. You know, the little lizard? Yeah. But we have, like, he's like the fun mascot for the kids because we're... the whole thing was hockey in the desert, so he's kind of representation of the desert. And then we also have a guy in a knight costume, okay, with a suit of armor. Well, give no, me, so I saw that guy. I've only been to okay, one game. Okay, well that's yeah. Give me I the, saw the guy in right. the knight costume. Yeah, he yeah. goes up and down, and, and he yeah yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Good. I didn't see the Gila monster. Okay, yeah. well give me give me the guy in the suit of armor, oh. but don't force a reptile on me. This is not part of the concept. Are we pulling up a picture of him? Yeah. All right, yeah, chance, right there, chance the Gila monster is his name, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, that's for the kids. That's kind of ugly looking. That's, that's a little, a little frightening. Little, yeah. Right. Almost like no. raw. The, ooh, yeah. That's, and you know, when I think of, I can see uh, a five year old having nightmares about that motherfucker. And when I think of all the uh, <laughs> the Gila monster uh, references, uh, yeah, that that he does all the pregame like theatric, like skate the the, the little show before the game uh-huh. He's out on the ice battling the other. The bad guy and trying to joust him. Yeah. Well, uh, I just. But here's the here's the issue. We're, okay, we're going to be knights. We're going to adopt the medieval theme. This guy's in. But when I think of all the Gila monster references uh, back in King Arthur's court, I come up with exactly zero. Yeah. Zero. We uh, or not we, but I guess I was part of the crew. So we um, there's a thing like people we 
did a video and put it up on the Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, the read, bad, read mean tweet things? Yeah. Basically did that. And most of them are about chance and how he makes no sense yeah so oh least, okay good good thank it. you for fighting the good fight mikey okay. and uh you know what i'm just telling these golden knights they've got a chance to get all this sorted out chance uh pun intended to get all this sorted out uh before next season if they want to bring me in so this guy loses his job and then we drop this the golden part of it no adjectives with the, knights, though, the golden the knights. knights it always kind of makes me think of like the situation like with trump had you know oh yes Yes. Golden Knight. The, uh, Drop the K, and all of a sudden it's a very interesting conversational piece. <laughs> all right. Or that. You know what? If you, they'll agree Which to do that. Which happens quite a bit in Vegas. If right with the whole word. Happens the, in Vegas, stays in Vegas. They'll agree to do that, then maybe they'll have me there as well. I actually worked with a comedian a couple of weeks ago who had a great joke about this. He's like, you know, you need to name them something appropriate to the city, so you should call them the Las Vegas resort fees because <laughs> that's what's paying for all of this uh, nonsense. All right. Uh, there's a little bonus content for you. Frank's already gotten the uh, social media plugs out of the way and all that so we'll just say we'll just bid you adieu and uh we'll let you know that uh, we'll be back later this week with jessica rose clark in studio and frank uh from brisbane australia phoneboothfighting.com is the website for mikey for frank mirror i'm richard hunter we'll see you right back here next time on phone booth fighting